This is the Activate Podcast with Pastor Christian Newsom. In this week's podcast, the reality is specs are annoying. You can build crosses with planks. And we did, right? Jesus built a cross out of the plank in, in our eye. Jesus, Jesus built a cross out of the plank in our life. Regardless of what we see in anyone else's eyes, it was the plank in our life that led to the cross on Jesus' back. Thanks for listening to the Activate Podcast with Pastor Christian Newsom, a ministry resource of Journey Church International in Lee Summit, Missouri. My name is Brandon, and we are so grateful you've carved out a few moments of your day to tune in. Uh, we're going to be talking today uh, about our Family Stronger series, Battling Brokenness and Refusing to Quit. And we're going to take a closer look at another family from the Bible and discover things that can divide us in our families and the Savior that can bring us together. Uh, Pastor Christian, the context of this week's message is from the parable uh, in Luke chapter 15. We know it as the parable of the prodigal son, but as you pointed out this past Sunday, it's actually a story of two prodigal sons, the younger and the older brother. Um, The younger son made an extremely selfish request. He said, give me the share of the estate. And and I've always found this to be an interesting question or an interesting request from the the younger son to his father. And, And the father actually grants the son his request. Is there a deeper spiritual truth to this that we might be might be missing, that we might be overlooking, and, and how should we respond to selfish behavior in our family's relationships? Well, I think the key to that question is is the Father, right? The Father is a picture of God. So what we what we see in this parable is a is a picture of God. I you know, I just um was talking to Jason and Michelle who are here with us. Jason produces this every week and Michelle helps take notes so that we can um, you know, get appropriate sound bites where they need to be. Uh, and their little girl, Abigail, drew me a picture that she left in my office of a marshmallow man um, in a JCI sweatshirt that was, that was awesome. Uh, kids love to draw pictures, right? right? Uh, if you ask a kid or if you ask an adult, hey, um, show me a picture of God, um, you would say, if you wanted to see a picture of God, you would have to draw Jesus. Right, so Jesus is telling this parable, and he's he's trying to help you see the heart of God. But if you if you want to see God, see Jesus. Jesus is who God would be if he was a man, because Jesus was God who became man. And because of that, is there a deeper spiritual truth to uh, to a father who grants his son selfish request? You have to go to the teaching of Jesus and say, well, does Jesus ever address this? And he does. He said, if somebody strikes you on the cheek. Turn the other cheek also. If somebody forces you uh, to go a mile, go an extra mile. If somebody asks you to give them your cloak, give them your tunic also. Uh, ask, uh, give to those who, who ask. Don't withhold from those who have need. Uh, treat people like God treats you. So, so every now and then, um, God allows you. He doesn't want you to, but he allows you to treat him selfishly. I think he anticipates that we'll treat him um, with our own selfish, if selfish interest in heart, we'll ask too much, we'll lash out in fear every now and then, and God shows himself to be the loving father. So really, the, this, the focus of the story is not the sinful son, it's the loving father. Um, so we really, we don't want to learn a whole lot about selfishness other than we all have it, and when we do, God goes the extra mile to love us. Uh, Jesus said the world's leadership says, hey, people who are in charge should be first, 
and they should lord over people that they rule. Jesus said Christians should be the exact opposite. If you want to have the heart of God, if you want to show people a picture of God, be like Jesus. And in Jesus' world, the first will be last. The greatest will be the servant. So what we see is a loving father going the extra mile to, to show his son that he loves him, turning the, his, his cheek when his son lashes out in selfishness. When the son says, give me the land, going the extra mile, selling the land to give him um, the money, revealing to us the heart of a father, even to selfish, sinful people. That, that's the deeper truth. The, the story really shouldn't be about the prodigal son. It should be about the loving father. We, we've named it wrong, and we focus on the wrong person. This is a story about a father, not a son. Sons are the bit players who represent us. The Father represents God. Before we jump more into uh, the picture of God through through this uh, through this parable, let me let me talk a, a moment and give you an opportunity to respond to this about the older brother. Uh, you mentioned that self righteousness is also a dangerous barrier to stronger family relationships. Um, I remember Jeff Foxworthy's famous statement: "You might be a redneck." Well, in your message, you kind of had that. You 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 might be self righteous. Or a self-righteousness may be a barrier if you have a big Bible and a tiny heart. <laughs> and there's another song that comes to mind when I think of that as well for a former youth pastor. Anyways, can you unpack this thought just a little bit deeper for our podcast listeners and, and maybe provide a couple of examples of where you might see this self-righteousness creeping in, especially in our family relationships? Yeah, I would say self-righteousness is, is not just another dangerous barrier. It might, it might be the biggest one that stands in the way of people really seeing the heart of Jesus. Jesus said, why do you look at your brother and tell him to take the speck out of his own eye without removing the plank from yours first? The reality is specks are annoying. You can build crosses with planks. And we did. Right, Jesus built a cross out of the plank in, in our eye. Jesus, Jesus built a cross out of the plank in our life. Regardless of what we see in anyone else's eyes, it was the plank in our life that led to the cross on Jesus' back. It was the plank in our life for which Jesus gave his life for. And if we will have that approach and we will have that mindset, um, yeah, we might see specks all the time, but the grace that we will show to the speck in someone else's eye, we'll realize in comparison to what my plank did to Jesus, their speck is nothing more than an annoyance. It might be a big annoyance. It might be a hindrance. But in comparison to what my plank did to Jesus in building him across, their, um, their speck can be forgiven. Their speck can be shown grace their speck can end in restoration. Their speck deserves, because of what Jesus did to me, an extended or an extending love that I go to them. Um, so when we talk about self-righteousness and the barrier to that, the barrier is always ourself. We just don't understand it was our sin that killed Jesus. And when we see the plank in our eye as the cross on his back, the speck becomes smaller um, and grace, mercy, forgiveness, those things get into it. How do we see a self-righteous, um, you know, a self-righteousness creeping into us? I think when we look at other people and we acknowledge that we're always looking down on them, uh, when we find ourselves not talking to people or praying for people, but always talking about people, 
you know, I think there's there's a time maybe to have a gut check there. And really kind of the, the biggest emotion of self-righteousness is disdain, is disgust, is really feeling like someone is less than you spiritually. That, yeah, I mean, I've got some sin in my life, sure, but I mean, what they're doing, um, when we begin to feel disgust for someone else's sins that we don't feel for ours, when we begin to have disdain about somebody's lifestyle, that we don't have for our sin. When we begin to feel others certainly have to be less than loved by Jesus um, than we are, uh, we find ourselves kind of creeping maybe into self-righteousness. You know, Romans 3.23 says that we all fall short of the glory of God. For all have sinned and all have fall short of the glory of God. When we begin to say you and they when talking about sin instead of we, uh, when Romans 3.23 doesn't say we all fall short of the glory of God, but when it sounds like they all fall short of the glory of God, you fall short of the glory of God. When we removes itself from our vocabulary, we might, beginning, we might be beginning to creep into self-righteousness uh, a little bit. So I just think it's every, every, time, every time we um, approach or address sin, as long as it's a we thing, Right, be French a little bit. We, we, we. Right, as long as it's a, as long as it's a we thing, um, that'll guard us from from self righteousness. Because self righteousness is always you, it's always they. Um, if it can become we, uh, there has to be more grace because we can't move forward unless we have received the grace and the forgiveness and the restoration and the extended love of Jesus to us. Well, let's spend the remainder of the podcast talking about the really what you mentioned, the hero of the parable. It's the father of the two sons, who you stated represented Jesus and a picture of his love. Uh, you talked about four building blocks, blocks of a stronger family, and, and you've already mentioned them in the podcast. Grace, forgiveness, restoration, and extended love. All of these qualities represent the person of Jesus. Which one of those, as you reflect upon these qualities, continues to captivate your heart when you think about Jesus and all that he's done for you? Yeah, so for me, I think it's two. The first one is is what I would call extending love. You know, not not just extended love, but, but the fact that Jesus extended love. The fact that he ran towards me when I was still a mess because of how much he loved me. That thought of the Father coming out to meet you where you are, which he did to both sons. He went out. To the younger son, he went out to the older son. They were both on the outside. He had to invite them in. Uh, this afternoon, uh, myself, Pastor Scott, um, who's our executive pastor for our listeners, uh, Sherry Hennig, who leads our community outreach, Ashley Moore, who leads our global outreach, were with a ministry in downtown Kansas City uh, in a place that we were told per capita uh, is is a place that has a, has as much violence as any place in the United States, if you are in kind of that that district of Kansas City, um, there are only two places in in America where you're more likely to be victimized: um, a, a borough in Memphis and one in Chicago, and then this place in Kansas City. Uh, and when we walked into this ministry, um, you know there there are there, there were ministry workers, there were recovering drug addicts, uh, there there were drug addicts. Um, I mean, when when you walked in. Your your suburban heart has a has a reflex that I mean just feels unsafe. I mean that that's just a reality. It wasn't. We're hoping to figure out how to partner with them so we can help them. But it was a different world than we live in. Uh, and and you walk in and there's just a there's just a, there's a there's a reflex that wants to pull back 
That's the opposite of the reflex that Jesus had that wants, that wants to run forward. And when I think of Jesus seeing me in my sin, I know the holiness in him has to have a reflex to draw back, but the heart in him has a reflex to run forward, to extend. Um, so for me, just thinking that Jesus, he keeps coming outside, because I often find myself spiritually on the outside looking in, and he keeps walking out in the yard and saying, hey, you can come back in if you want. It's a really big deal for me. And then and then restoration. And and not just not just restoration, but the but the reality that that Jesus doesn't just forgive, but he re, he restores and then he treats you as if you didn't sin. And then he uses you as if you're something special spiritually. I mean, every time you know, I think of Jesus allowing me to get up and 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 be a spiritual spokesman, teach the Bible, be a spiritual leader. Uh, you know, I have to want to say to him, like, are you sure? Like, are are you sure you're okay with me doing this? Are you sure um, it's okay for, for me to go out there and do this? I mean, you know everything I've done. And I, I think, humanly speaking, if someone had let us down as much as we let Jesus down, there would be a very slow road back to restoration. Not the Father. The Father, before the Son even finishes his speech, saying, I'm sorry, says you're like you're a son again you are you are the chosen favorite son come on in and he restores him immediately one of my favorite stories in the old testament is when david king david who had killed goliath and then he became king of israel had a son named absalom who rebelled against him who killed one of his other sons um and and he was kind of banished for a season outside the kingdom and then joab who was david's nephew and led his army uh, went to him and said, listen, you need to let your son come back home because the whole country misses him. And, you know, he knows he did wrong. He's sorry. Uh, he, he only killed his brother because of something horrendous that had happened in the family. You need to let him come back. So David said, okay, he can come back, but he can't see my face. So he let him move back into the city, but he never he never let him come to the palace to see his face. Um, and Absalom thought, this is crazy. You know, either, either I'm going to be fully restored or I'm leaving. So he he sent his servant, and he said, go ask Joab, uh, go tell Joab I want to talk to him, because he wanted to tell Joab, go tell my dad I'd like to see him, I'd like to be restored. Um, and Joab didn't answer the call. So he told his servant again, go tell Joab I want to talk to him. And Joab didn't answer the call. So the third time he said, go set Joab's field on fire. So he set his field on fire, and Joab came out and said, what are you doing? And he said, finally, I just, I just wanted to talk, but I couldn't get your attention. Um, and the whole point of that story is, I, I want to be restored. Here, David, who had a who had a heart, uh, who was a man after God's own heart. Um, here, he he becomes anything but God the Father. Uh, here, he becomes anything but someone with the heart of Jesus because he forgave to a point, but he didn't restore. Jesus never says, "Hey, you can come in the house, but you can't see my face." Jesus never says, "Hey, I'll forgive you, but uh, but but we're we're over." So you're going to be forgiven, but you're not going to be restored. Jesus Jesus restores. He he lets us move right back into our bedroom. He Let's us come to the breakfast table, the lunch table, the, the dinner table. He le- he leaves us in the will. Uh, we are restored as a full son uh, or daughter of God. So for me, it's the extending love and the restoration just means a whole lot in my faith walk and experience. Well, let's wrap up with this question today, Pastor Christian. I love how you use the idea of building blocks of a stronger family in your message. And in Ephesians chapter 2, um, the Apostle Paul states that Jesus is the chief cornerstone. As I thought of this building blocks, I thought of this, this passage in Ephesians 2, Jesus is the chief building block of our faith. But what are some action steps we can take in our families that can continue to keep Jesus as the chief cornerstone and to keep our families stronger? 
Well, first, you have to stay close to him. Uh, and, you, and you have to realize he's there. If you're a Christian, Jesus, uh, Jesus is always with you. The Holy Spirit lives in you. So I think you have to realize that following Jesus is personal. The Holy Spirit is in you. Jesus is with you. Jesus is always around you. You have to allow your life to be one that is Spirit-led. You have to listen for the Spirit. You have to try to communicate in prayer with the Spirit. You really have to realize the Jesus thing is not a church thing. It's a life thing. It's personal. He's in you. Um, secondly, the Jesus thing is relational, which means you have to spend time hanging out with him on your own. And as a family, every Christian should have a daily time they spend with God. I think every family should have a weekly time where they gather. So if you want to keep Jesus at the forefront of your family, first spend time with him every day and then make as a part of life your family spending time. Following Jesus is missional. You should, if you're a Christian, you should be dying to know what your role in God's kingdom is. Because you're not, you're not just a son and, and daughter, you're like a fully invested employee of what God has called his kingdom to do. You have a role, you have gifts, you are called to make an impact. Do that together. Uh, I love families at our church where the mom and dad and the kids are all serving at the same time. Be missional and on mission together. I love when families go on mission trips together. I love when families do serve days or love week together. And then realize that following Jesus is, is communal. It's, it's a community thing. Uh, Jesus' followers have always gathered on the first day of the week to learn from Scripture, to worship together, to pray. Get to church as a family. Let that be a building block. Uh, Christians have always lived in community, smaller groups that have the purposes of helping each other grow uh, and helping each other when they're hurting. Find a small group. Be engaged uh, in a group of people. Commit to and have consistency with others. And again, do life together. I think if you will personally try to have a spirit-led life if relationally you will spend time with jesus every day and have a time every week where your family does that as a family if you will be missional if you will find your role develop your gifts have impact and if you will live in community with your church family and with a smaller group in that church you will have all the building blocks to build something and live in something very special spiritually. That's something we say all the time, and we do it. We say it all the time because it works. We see it work in the lives of families. So thank you again for that reminder, Pastor Christian, and for your wisdom and direction through this Family Stronger series and reminding us to keep Jesus at the center of all of our relationships. And we want to thank you for listening to the podcast again today. Please continue to share this podcast with your friends and family. The material material we've covered in this series is so vitally important to building stronger families today and into the next generation. We look forward to catching you next time on the Activate Podcast, where we challenge you to build a faith that is active. Thank you for listening to Activate with Pastor Christian Newsom, a podcast of Journey Church International. If you are ever in the Kansas City area, we would love for you to join us for one of our Sunday worship experiences. You can find out more information about JCI on our website at takethejourney.cc. If you have enjoyed this podcast, please show your support by subscribing, rating, and reviewing on iTunes or Google Play. We would love for you to help us get the word out about this resource. Don't forget to share this episode with all your friends on social media. Thanks again for listening, and we will catch you next time on the Activate Podcast.